0: morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the Old Pueblo, and you're listening to KT, DT, Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to have the second part of our interview with Ty Logan. He is the host of Downtown Radio's Heavy Mental every Sunday at noon. Last week, we talked about his history that led to the show and... A lot about his show. This week we're gonna get real deep in his story of recovery and the challenges, the success, and how it's uh, shaped his life and helping others. Today is November seventh. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core. And we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From May Mountain to U, Arizona, and all stops in between. You get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. Also available on your iPhone or Android with our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. As always, you can reach us on the show by emailing us, contact at org. You can hit us up or, or tag us in a story on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to listen to past shows, they're on our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org or just about anywhere where you're going to find podcasts available. Well, it is the 7th. Today is the uh, procession of Dio de los Muertos down at the... Uh, it starts at Speedway and Grande and moves down to the Mercado. We talked a little bit about that last week. And uh, maybe we'll see you down there as part of the procession this evening. Well, if you do, maybe uh, take a photo and put it on our Facebook page for us, knifealongthestreetcar.org. Another event coming up next weekend, it's the uh, return of the Dusk Music Festival. So the Dusk Festival's been here for a few years, took a year off for obvious reasons with COVID. And uh, we'll see it Saturday, the 13th and 14th downtown again. Uh, you can uh, check out their entire lineup at duskmusicfestival.com. But a little bit of a change in location, it's been held in Armory Park in that area for some time. I think every year, as a matter of fact... Uh, now, it's moving over to the Hockamie Plaza, so you'll see there's closures on stone and, uh, and, and church. You're, you know There's uh, some blockages there as they have different stages set up, and they've got an area fenced in for the festival. So, you can check out their website, Dusk Music Festival, for the lineup if you're interested. There's information on uh, how to get tickets and wristbands and all that cool stuff there. Speaking of cool stuff... Uh, we're going to finish up our interview today with Ty Logan. You know, I'd called him uh, last week for a show on Sunday because October is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I thought, you know, we should have Downtown Radio's mental health show host uh, on, on, uh, as a guest. And as we started talking, uh, he got very open, very honest about his journey uh, through addiction, uh, his recovery. Uh, the challenges, the pitfalls, the people that have helped him along the way, and how he's used that information to help others. And now he's in a position teaching um, where he is working with uh, youth that are going through recovery challenges themselves. So it's sort of a, his place in life seems to have been molded from all of his past experiences and challenges. So last week, we kind of dug into his show, and this week, we're really going to pick up middle of that interview where he's talking about his challenges that sort of led to some of his um, addiction
1: problems and then the neighbor simultaneously introduced me to methadone which is uh, an opiate and uh, I was off and running with that And, and it's like I it was my first foray into addiction I had done drugs many times in my life but I never felt addicted I have uncles that are you know fell into addiction one who's dead from this disease You know, history of alcoholism on both my mom and dad's side, not my mom and my dad, but but their their parents and their family and family members. And I just never thought I would fall into it. And I did. And before I knew it, I was hooked. And, uh, you know, I it was uh, I met a girl working at Wild Oats customer and I just fell madly in love. Um, And but I was also on methadone at the time. Um, To those that don't know, methadone is, is kind of synthetic heroin. Uh, but it feels like you're taking a vitamin. And so it doesn't feel like a drug. There's no ritual. There's no, you know, you know, shooting up, there's no cutting it and snowing it. There's no rolling up and smoking. It's like a vitamin. So I think it's almost, uh, to anyone who takes pills and becomes addicted, I think it, it, it gets you that way where you just don't feel like you're, uh, taking a drug and it was similar to kind of like my antidepressants. I'm taking something and now I'm feeling great where it, I wasn't before. It, you know what I
0: mean? But methadone is different than like methamphetamine, methamphetamines, right? I mean, it's, those are different. It's,
1: it's, it's that's the funny thing is it's, it sounds similar and it's completely not, you know um, what? The one exception with methadone is that people are a little bit more functional than they are full blown shooting up heroin because people can work jobs on methadone and it's 24 hour release So you're, you're feeling good for 24. I mean, you you know, you're not coming down, you're not withdrawing unless you go more than that without it, which I didn't know until I, until my neighbor who then became my dealer couldn't get any, uh, any methadone for about a week. And I experienced withdrawal for the first time in my life. And I remember freaking out going, Oh my God, this is what I heard. Heroin's like kicking, you know, I'm seriously depressed because, you know, I was off my antidepressants because what do I need those for when I have this? And, uh, and and physical pain, hard to sleep, cramps, all that kind of stuff. Um, and my sister was getting married. My dad flew down. I hadn't seen him in about four years. And I and I and I went to him and I said, hey, uh, you know, I didn't tell the whole truth. I said, I'm off my antidepressants and I'm feeling really depressed. And he and he was kind of like, well, I don't understand depression. And I said, well, you know, it's you feel like I feel like I want to die. I feel like I want to kill myself. And he said, well, then do it. And then I kind of I like, whoa. And and the sad the sad thing of him saying that is that his sister committed suicide many years before I was born, you know, and and, and when he said that, it was just kind of like, wow, you would think that someone whose own sister did that would maybe kind of like look into that, look into what suicide was, look into depression, you know, something. I don't know. And then he kind of was like, I'm not really saying do it. But you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be depressed. And I'm going, and, like, and he's like, you know, this isn't really the best time. Why are you telling me this now? Your sister's getting married. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right, you're right, my bad. You know, kind of a thing. Uh, my my dealer slash neighbor uh, finally got some, and I remember getting on him, and I'm all better now, you know. And I I remember going to my sister's wedding and saying, telling my dad, hey, I'm back on my antidepressants. It's like night and day. I'm all good. And he's like, oh, that's great, you know. And I wrote a poem for my sister and i and I said it for the whole for everybody and um remember the next day my mom telling me you know everybody loved you, you were so great and and my my mom's great I mean I love my mom she I have nothing bad to say about my mom she, you know she was saying something genuinely you know from her heart not knowing that I'm on this methadone but in my brain I'm going, okay, I need to be on this stuff for people to like me to get through things to get through all this you know. Mm-hmm. And that continued for another several, several months. And Oh, oh and then the, uh, the girl I'd fallen in love with kind of dropped a bomb on me that day it was that she wasn't divorced, which I had, she had told me, which she was married and, you know, was unhappily married. And they're going to work things out and move to Casagrande. And, you know, I was on methadone, so I could handle it at the time. But a couple months down the road, I decided to I don't when my when my uh, neighbor slash dealer couldn't get some again. I realized uh, I don't want to be at the whim of, of, of this neighbor who can, you know, can get – I don't want my mood and my whole, in a sense, <laughs> life be affected by whether he can get some or not. So I decided to get clean on my own, and it was, it was a weird uh, real, realization, and it was, a, it was a really painful time. You know, it was uh, my 30th birthday. You, we can laugh at this, but at 30, I thought I was so old, (laughs) you know, I, I, I turned 30 and freaked out and thought, you know, oh my God, I'm in my, I'm 30 now. Like, uh, I'm too old to be cool now. You know, you know, we think, you know, you know, when you're a teenager, 30 sounds old, you know, and, uh, now I'm 30 and the party's over. And I kept saying that. And, um, my mom had uh, given me for my birthday a, a, this DVD box set of the Chicago Bulls. I was, you know, everyone can say this, but I was the biggest Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls fan. You know, my mom's Chicago, and I just grew up watching it and seeing them win all these championships, and it was a really good time in my life. And I and I popped it in, and I started watching it, and I'm, and I'm bawling uncontrollably, and I'm going, there's no way I should be crying this hard. Why am I crying this hard over watching the Chicago Bulls play? And it was, you know, It was the the first time they won their first championship season. I was I was 15, and I just I I, I, thinking how innocent I was then. Mm -hmm. you know, not innocent anymore. You know, I'm an addict. You know, all this kind of stuff. And I and I called my uncle, my uncle Andy, who was you know maybe at the time probably 10 years clean, maybe called him up and said, I'm this is what I'm taking. I need help. And he told me to go to the NA meetings, and I started doing that. But I wasn't ready, Tom. You know what I mean? I I didn't think I was an addict. It was just that one drug. You know, I'd go and I'd hear these stories, and I'm like, oh, I haven't done I haven't done nearly as much of that. You know, I'm you know, and, and that I think is the problem with a lot of the twelve step programs is the glorification and the war stories because other people in room in the rooms feel like, oh, I haven't I haven't gone down that whole th- you know farther enough, so I don't I'm not really an addict. And unfortunately people go out and they die, you know, or, or worse, you know, you you know, living, wanting to die is worse than death for a lot of people. And, uh, so after, after, uh, uh, you know, I think I, I was six, after I got six month key tag, I, I, I quit my job at wild oats and started working as a bouncer at a strip club. <laughs> Cause you know,
0: it's <laughs> safe environment to good put yourself to back into. It
1: absolutely you know for my sobriety and, and you know and I, and I told people in the rooms and they were like oh my god you know and i'm like and, and i was like you know i'm gonna prove you guys wrong you don't know what you're talking about with all that you know vigor to prove them wrong i was drinking after work a week later and you know alcohol was never my problem i'm like i got a dui you know oh wait yeah i did <laughs> it's not like i ever got in fights oh yeah wait yeah you know all the things we we tell ourselves but you know um alcohol wasn't my drug that got me addicted anyways uh, a year and a half down the road after uh, cocaine became my full on drug and then it became crystal meth methamphetamine and, and falling in love with another girl she was a waitress though you know wasn't a dancer I wasn't dumb enough to fall in love with a dancer because you know if I say that everyone laughs you fall in love with a dancer what's wrong with you you know but they're human too uh you know, I, I, I it ran its course, um, cocaine and, me- and mess. And then it was like no matter what I did, whenever what I used, I couldn't use in moderation. It was almost like uh, after the opiate, I wasn't I wasn't capable of using it in moderation. Hmm. If I drank, I got super drunk, you know, to a point I'm either passing out or throwing up. If so I used cocaine. It was, you know, there was, I just couldn't stop. I couldn't be sober. In any waking time of the day, it, it, it,
0: methadone seems like this 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 life changing moment for you. But isn't it used for helping people that are trying to get off of drugs? Yes,
1: yes, and I do want to emphasize that it is definitely a, an alternative, and it is a harm harm reduction for those that are using heroin. Those are using needles, um, possible you know dirty needles, uh, who can and possibly be cut with fentanyl, which is what's killing people at alarming rates right now. Methadone is definitely a harm reduction and a better alternative for those that are getting off heroin. But if you never used heroin, using methadone is probably a similar high. And I've talked to heroin addicts who say that methadone is just as hard to get off as it is as heroin is, and that kicking her, kicking methadone is just as painful, both mentally and physically. So, um, but 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 the thing about Methadone is you're supposed to wean off of it. I cold turkey did, which is why it was very hard for me. <laughs> and there's there's a huge thing called MAT Clinics, M A T, medicine assisted treatment, which is, you know, therapy along with, with methadone and, and, and you know, Suboxin and the drugs that help you get off the opiates because the the relapse rate for opiates is ninety two percent.
0: So we are picking up our interview with Ty Logan from last week, kind of jumped right in the middle of his conversation of of the challenges and his addictions. Um, And we'll be back to finish up um, the last part of the second piece of this interview uh, with the host of Heavy Mental. But I want to remind you that you're listening right now to Life Along the Streetcar, and we're on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM, and you can also stream us on downtownradio.org.
2: This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to LifeAlongTheStreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. BK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. We're going to finish up here with uh,
0: what I think is a very interesting gentleman, Ty Logan. You know, his, his story is powerful. You're hearing that right now. And how he has chosen to use that to help others is, is so inspiring. So we're going to finish up uh, the second part of our uh, second piece of the interview with Ty Logan. Well, let me, let me get back to your, uh, your yeah. story because I, I kind of got us off track there. But you are... Yeah. Um, you're in love with the waitress at your place of employment, which is a street yeah. club. You're, you're yes. drinking cocaine. You're doing everything in excess. Yes. And, um, somewhere in there, there's, there's a, there's a positive outcome. I mean, where, how did you get from where you were then to, to what you're doing now? I mean, what was that, what it's was that moment? Or that- it's a
1: great question. Um, I will say the lowest of the low was I had a gun in my mouth. Um, and it was, uh, I think probably a two or three day binge of cocaine and, and, uh, I, I just thought of, you know, this girl that I fell in love with, i broken up with her boyfriend and then went back with her. And it was, I felt like it was the same exact thing that had happened to me before with the previous girl. And it was just like this, but I really felt hard. And I think the other scary thing now, which has affected me now is that I don't know how much of that love was real or how much of it was drug induced. And that to me is still one of those kind of scary mind, uh, thoughts like, you know, where you can go down the rabbit hole of that one. But I had a gun in my mouth. Um, I knew I didn't want to pull that trigger, but I couldn't imagine continuing to live feeling that way. And my uncle called me out of the blue to ask if I wanted to go to a meeting.
0: uh, Your uncle Andy again.
1: Yeah. My uncle Andy, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, and I, and we laugh, we actually, well, strangely I, is as dark as it sounds. I mean, we laugh about it now. Cause I literally with gun in my mouth said, how do you know I got a gun? Well, you know, how do you know I got a gun in my mouth? You know? And, and uh, he said, I, I didn't. And he goes, it sounds like you need to go to a meeting. And I said, yeah, come pick me up. And so it was one of those moments that, you know, uh, you know, I'd like to think that I wouldn't have pulled the trigger. Um, but it, that phone call clearly, uh, had me not. And, uh, but I can't tell you that that's the day I got clean. I, I went to a meeting and I, I remember my eyes were about as red as a tomato from not sleeping, from the cocaine, from crying. Um, and I remember uh, an, an addict in there named Phyllis, who I love. So to this day, a great, great woman um, uh, shared and said, you know, I don't know what Ty is going through because she remembers me from coming to the rooms before because I don't know what Ty is going through. But whatever it is, I know that it still sucks out there, that it's still painful out there and and in a sense i was the person letting other people clean know that it's not you know this, there is no it's still not great over here you know this part this side sucks there's a reason why you got clean mm-hmm. you know there's a reason why we use you know and a lot of why i was using what i what i discovered in in my re, my recovery was uh you know, P- the PTSD from seeing murder, from from depression, from heartbreak, from all these other things. I mean, there's so many other things that happen to us in life that, you know, anybody that's that's abusing a drug. The, the real issue is not the drug abuse. It's the reason why they're using. And so I had to learn to understand why I was using. And and, and I can't tell you that it, it was a a really significant moment that had me realize that I moved all the way to the East coast after that to live with my dad to try to get clean, realized that was the wrong decision and then moved all the way back and continued to use. And then months down the road, I was with a girlfriend and I seeing her behavior on the drugs. It was like, I was looking into a mirror and I was like, that's what I'm like. And honestly, that's what shook me to the core to get clean, Hmm. you know, and, and April 24, 2008, I haven't used, I haven't, um, use anything.
0: When you, so, see, when you see someone from the, from an outside perspective and you, and you see them that you think they're, they're under that influence and they're, they're having uh, those issues. I mean, how is there a way to talk to them? I mean, obviously the first time your uncle Andy, you reached out for help yeah. and, and that still wasn't the right time. I and mean, how, is there a way to bring this up or, or places to help uh, a, a parent that might see this in a child or, or a sibling or something?
1: This is the most heartbreaking aspect of addiction, and you see it in intervention shows, but I, I've seen it firsthand in the crisis response center, you know, psychiatric emergency facilities. And uh, I worked with Old public Community Services, which was working with men and women getting out of prison um, and then working with combat veterans with PTSD and SMI, which is a serious mental illness. And, and now, you know, and working with teens and working with kids at the youth unit, it's really hard – um, when, whether they're a teenager or a grown, you know, grown adult, if they're not in this, if they're in that stage, people call it the denial stage. But, but the reality is, it's almost like uh, there hasn't been enough consequences for you for for you to quit. And and the scary thing for parents is that their kids could die before that happens. Um, and and the harsh reality is that you know most people aren't going to get clean until they're ready. And it sometimes, most times, requires consequences or pain. And we just hope that the pain is not enough that kills them, that the pain is enough for them to. So, you know, I tell people when, when when, the pain surpassed my fear of change, was when I decided I need to get clean, you know, because change is, is, can be just as difficult, whether it's changing a job, changing a relationship, changing where you live, moving. You know, jobs and relationships are huge um, events in people's lives that are that are terrifying. Um, change is hard for most people, but it's inevitable um, for with everyone. And I tell people change happens every day. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. We're experiencing change every day. Seasons. It gets cold and it gets hot. Oh, mostly hot here. But, you know, um, change is inevitable. But we fear it or we reject it or we we, we try to push back on, on a lot of other change. And so sometimes it takes consequences or it takes pain to push us to get to make those changes that we need. As far as the conversation that parents need to have with their kids or what they can say to those that are physically using is, I guess, are you experiencing pain and consequences? Are you seeing that? The, the negative aspects to using drugs and the biggest barrier I face with the teenagers I'm working today is that a lot of them say, no, you know, for them, we, we helps them, you know, or this, you know,
0: and you're now working with with a group of teenagers that are going through this. Are they, uh, w- yeah. without sharing too much information, obviously, are they, are they yeah. there by choice or are they there by force?
1: Um, well, I'd hate to say by force. I, well, I think
0: by, that well, wrong word, I guess, but not by choice.
1: Well, no, I see what you're saying. I mean, they're, they are minors. And so a lot of the times, yeah, sometimes what they would, wouldn't want to do, like, you know, parents will put them there, you know. Um, but the sad reality is a lot of these individuals don't have parents. They're coming from foster homes or from um, juvenile detention centers. Um, and so I think that for the most part, I think that they're seeing that this is a better alternative. And once they arrive, it's a very soft arrival for them. When they, once they see me, I think a lot of them are like, oh, this teacher's tattooed, <laughs> you know, oh, he's in recovery too. Oh, that's cool. Do you, you, know,
0: do you share with them the depths of, of your, uh, of your past or, or, or do you, I, I, I,
1: I, I, tell them that they can ask me anything. I don't just start talking about me because it's about them, mm-hmm. but I do, I do tell them right off the bat that uh, I am, you know, 13 and a half years clean. I'm in recovery myself. So, you know, I'm not someone who doesn't know what it's like to come off drugs. As far as that goes, I don't know what it's like to be you, to walk in your shoes. So I will never tell you I know what it's like. I just know what it's like to be in pain from addiction and in recovery. And so I will let them know that I'm someone they can talk to about that as well as school stuff.
0: Wow. Ty Logan, if you, uh, if you're listening to this and you're you're just intrigued as I am by Ty's story, tune in every Sunday uh, on this station, 99.1 FM at noon, heavy mental. You have an hour, right? That you, that you talk about these issues.
1: Yeah. It started off as a half hour with guest and now it's an hour. And for the mo- and I, like I said, I've been doing it by myself. I want to get back. Um, I think that's a better format and I will.
0: Ty, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I hope people tune into a uh, heavy mental at noon. Uh, you have, you have, you have a big Facebook presence, don't you? Or Instagram, you have a big social media uh, presence.
1: I, I do Facebook lives, my show as well, just so people can share it if they want, or they can have something to look at, you know, or they can comment. And
0: is, yeah. And where is that? Is that on your personal page or do you have a heavy mental? page?
1: Yeah, I literally have personal. I saw my Ty Logan, You, you Google, you know, search me on Facebook, Ty Logan. And, uh, yeah, it's my personal page. And uh, and Tom, I want to thank you. I mean, I, I, I listen to your show, um, like I say, every week before because, of, you know, to know when to go on to mine. And uh, it's so funny that you that you reached out because I'm like, I'm like, man, you have really good shows, and really cool guests. And then when you wanted me to be one of your guests, I'm like, whoa, I'm going to be part of the elite. That's pretty cool, man. <laughs> you're really you. You're yeah. great, man.
0: You you are kind. And I think we're both very appreciative that we've we've found a place in downtown radio that 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 carves out a space of time for this, the important stuff that I think we both touch on these different topics. And it's 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 hard if you don't have a format like downtown radio and and a board and a a mission that that really allows for this. So, uh, Ty, thanks thanks for your time. And um, I I can't uh, can't wait to get this up and, and share. it.
1: Me, too. Me, too, my brother. Thank you so much.
0: Wow. I just, I don't know, just, just impressed, just just impressed that uh, not only has he overcome the challenges he's overcome, but his willingness to share and just does it so humbly without um, um, that judgment, just puts it out there. I think it's just absolutely fabulous. Well, my name is Tom Heath. You're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. We are in downtown radio, 99.1 FM, and we're available for streaming on
2: downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to LifeAlongTheStreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. BK number 0902429. Equal Housing Opportunity.
1: holy crap it's november did we just kind
0: of gloss over that well this is uh episode number 176 first show of november 2021 thank ty logan for his tremendous uh time over the, uh, the last two weeks for uh, for these episodes if there's ever anything you want us to cover you can hit us up on facebook uh tag us in something you think we should know about or we should be talking about and uh Uh, You know, email us, contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. We're on Instagram. And there's also a contact button on our website where you can listen to past episodes. And that is uh, lifealongthestreetcar.org. Well, I am always excited about my next show. I always say I'm I'm excited about next week. And I I truly am excited about next week because I've got a guest. uh, Someone that um, I think is a fabulous addition to, uh, to Tucson doing wonderful things. Um, musically, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's going to be a surprise. you have to tune into Facebook to find out, but I'm going to give you a little hint. Uh, cause I'm not going to introduce the next song or the song that we're going to exit the show with. I'm not going to tell you who it is like I normally would on a show, but I can tell you if you figure that out, there's a good chance you're going to figure out who our guest is next week on life along the Streetcar. Until then, my name is Tom Heath. You have been listening to Life Along the Streetcar. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you tune in next Sunday for another episode. Have a great week.